Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... We're the only ones that can say that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. They're the songs of the saints that the rest of the world can't sing. They can't sing it in truth because it's not true for them, but it is true for us. And so we should sing about it because it is our truth. It is truth for us. The 144,000 are singing a song that only they can sing, only they can know it, and it's true for them, between them and the Lord, because they were redeemed from the earth. In your walk with Jesus, do you live your life set apart from the rest of the world? Do you live your life as an example for the rest of the world to see a reflection of Jesus? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that ever since you gave your life to the Lord, you have always been a walking example of God's perfect love. You were called to be a city on a hill for the rest of the world to be inspired by. Never lose your vigor for bringing others into God's family. Preach His gospel until the whole world hears. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 14 as he begins his message, God's Overtime Squad. We're going to cover chapter 14 verses 1 through 13, God's Overtime Squad. And I'll explain what we're looking at. So here, here's what I want you to have in mind. Let's just say an NBA Finals when you get to the finals, if you get to the final game of the finals and it goes into overtime, I just want you to consider at that point, who do you think that the coaches have in the game? I guarantee you, you know, Barry bench sitter is not in the game. He's going to be sitting on the bench. They're going to have the cream of the crop. They're going to have the best of the best of their guys are going to be in the game at that time because it's come down to the wire. It's almost over and they're trying to get a win. We are in the section of Revelation for you guys to follow along. We are halfway through the great tribulation period. So for anybody just joining us, that means that the church has been raptured, caught up to be with the Lord. We've had the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the the deception to the nations, the deceiving of the Jews. We hit the halfway mark now where there was the abomination of desolation. The Antichrist, you know, wanted to be worshipped. The Jews realized they've been had and uh, many Jews have come to Christ. And now we're going to look today really specifically at the 144,000. And so we're, we're in the last three and a half year stretch. And it teaches one thing is teaching me about Jesus, which Every chapter of Revelation should be unveiling and revealing more to you and more to me about Jesus is that this at this last little stretch, I still see Jesus doing everything he can do to just save a few more. You got to know that that's the heart of God for anybody that misunderstands the heart of God. For those that look at Revelation and say, oh, man, this is the wrath. It is the wrath of God poured out. But I want you to see in the midst of the wrath, God is saying, but if you'd come, I'd save you. If you'd come, I'd save you. If you turn to me, I'd take you. And it's still true today. Whoever you are listening, watching, you could have resisted God, rebelled against God, been defiant to get today. If you'd come, he'd take you. If you would turn to him today, he would have you. No matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, if you'd come, he'd have you. That's his heart. He's revealing to us more of himself. I mean, it's like, it's, it, I mean, he, it, this is spanking time. This is, this is time to pour out wrath and he just can't help himself. 
He just keeps throwing in lifelines, even in the midst of his wrath being poured out. And so. So let's look at chapter 14 of Revelation. So this again, I called it God's overtime squad. We're going to see here's some things we're going to learn. We're going to learn about the 144,000. Um, we'll, we'll get some specifics so we know who they're not and who they are. We'll look at what they do and what, how God uses them uniquely during the tribulation period. They're going to be angels preaching the everlasting gospel during this time. So we're going to look at that. We're going to learn about hell. We're going to learn about eternal judgment, eternal punishment. There are some people today that don't believe that hell is a real place of real torment. So we're going to look at the words in this chapter because we'll we'll see that there is real torment and real suffering that goes on in a real place called hell. And then we'll see how it is that we all can escape all of that. And so chapter 14, verse one, it says, then I looked and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him, one hundred and forty four thousand having his father's name written on their foreheads. And so if you guys remember the last chapter, we looked at the false trinity. You know, we looked at the Antichrist, the, the false prophet and the beast and all the havoc that they were reigning. And so after that scene, we click over here and, and John sees a lamb standing on Mount Zion. We know that's the, the lamb of God. Amen. He sees the lamb standing on Mount Zion. And then he sees, which is the center place for all the events of these in the end time sequence of events. Then it says with the lamb. And so the first thing we're going to be told about the 144,000 is that they are there during the tribulation period. They're found with the lamb. And so they're with the lamb. There was 144,000. We're told earlier that they came from each of the tribes of Israel. So we know that these were uh, a people of Jewish descent. They're with the lamb. Then it says having his father's name written on their foreheads. Again, we learned earlier in Revelation that God had sealed them, right? God, God put a seal on them so that some of the things that were transpiring wouldn't touch them because they were going to be his servants. Here we see what the seal is. It's his father's name written on their foreheads. God, as, as they have claimed God, God has claimed them as well. And so you should know this about your relationship with the Lord. When you put your faith in Christ, when you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God seals you as well. You claim him, he claims you back. He seals you. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so every believer receives the Holy Spirit at the moment they believe in Christ. And that is God's promise. That is God's down payment. That is God's saying, you're, you're, you're mine and I'm yours. It's forever. Uh, it's like a wedding ring. Um, it's, it's, it's the ring of promise that this is how you know I'm coming back for you. This is how you know we're going to seal the deal. You are mine and I am yours. And so during this little period, this 144,000, they're sealed. They have the father's name written on their foreheads. And so it would identify them during this period of time. Let's move on. Look at verse two. It says, and I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their hearts. And so if you guys remember from Revelation chapter one, we see the glorified Christ. His voice was like this, the voice of many waters, the like loud thunder, so a, a very authoritative sounding voice. If you hear thunder, 
uh, or many waters. It's a powerful, booming sound. And so this is the voice of the Lord. And he says, I I heard a voice like many waters, like the voice of loud thunder. And then he says, I heard harpists playing their harps. Can I just say this? That God likes music, right? That's just, there's just a freebie here. Everywhere we get a glimpse in, God's like, you know, you go back to the Old Testament for y'all are doing the reading and God's raising up Levites. He's got a whole group that's like, y'all are my musicians. I want good music at the temple for we can we can turn up and worship the Lord. Every time we get a glimpse in the heavenly scene, there's worship, there's song here. The harpists are playing. And so for y'all that don't know, God, God likes good music. And we as the people of God, since since we know that about him, we should be good at worship. Praise should be something that we look forward to, that we participate in. When I think of praise, when I think of worship, it's 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 uplifting. It's something that it's, it's an up thing. It's like music to the Lord because he's good. And for all that he's done, that's got to be something that's stirred up in the hearts and the lives of the people of God. And God likes it. You know, when I'm in my car and I got some good praise music going or some good worship and I'm I, I, I can sing that. And I'm like, God, you like this. If you, I mean, God is always present. He could join me in my truck. And it's like, God, we're, we're jamming to this together. You like this. This is this is to you, you know. And so I get moved as we just sing the words. And it's like, that is true, Lord. We this we can sing this to you. It's true about you. And they've added some funky music to go behind it. And you like that. So um, we should just we we should be about that as believers, man, that um, God is into. He loves he, he deserves worship. He's worthy of it. And he don't mind a harp or two coming behind the songs, you know, and making it funky. So uh, the Lord likes music. So <laughs> moving on, verse, verse three, we're learning about the 144,000. Verse three says, they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne. So another thing God likes. We learned this in the Psalms as well. God says, sing unto me an old crusty song. He didn't say that. He says, sing unto the Lord a new song. Now, there are old songs that are awesome and good and rich. And because they're true, the truth don't change. There's some old songs that we can sing today and it's just still true. And it's great. But God says, sing unto me a new song too. And so uh, I love that um, for you guys that don't know, a lot of the songs that we sing, you guys are, where, where, where did you get that song? Pastor Anthony writes a bunch of these songs. He's all humble. He wouldn't tell you that. But we, we were singing songs and I'm like, where, who wrote that? He wrote that. He just wrote it. He just wrote a song because he felt like it. So um, and, and, and you should know as believers, we can sing to the Lord a new song. You can you can sing a specific praise to the Lord for who he is to you, what he's done in your life, how he's ministered to you. And so know that there's freedom in, in our praise and our worship to the Lord. Long as it's true, long as it's to him, long as it's, it honors him. They sang unto him, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And look, get this. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. And so they're singing to God a song that was uniquely theirs, similar to the church earlier in Revelation five. We sang to the Lord a song that was only true for us. Right. We, we, we worship God that we were redeemed by the lamb, by the blood of the lamb. And that, that's the song of the church. And so we could sing that there's here's something that we got to know in this world. This world's got all kind of music. The church needs to know that only we praises. That's our unique song. P- praise is something that we offer to God. It's unique 
to the church. We're the only ones that can say that we've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, that we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. They're the songs of the saints that the rest of the world can't sing. They can't sing it in truth because it's not true for them, but it is true for us. And so we should sing about it because it is our truth. It is truth for us. The 144,000 are singing a song that only they can sing, only they can know it. And it's true for them between them and the Lord, because they were redeemed from the earth, right? They're down on earth during the tribulation period and God redeemed them from the earth and they're glad about it. And they're responding to the Lord with worship as a result of it. And so I would just encourage you, you know, as you go through the week that you can write a song, you can think of a tune, you can, you can just think of what would I thank God for this week? What's my personal praise? What is, what can I give thanks for to the Lord? It'll keep you from focusing on the wrong things. It'll keep you from having a sour attitude. Every day for believers, there's something that we can be thankful to the Lord for. If, it, if, it's, if everything else has gone wrong and I'm still saved, I can, give, I can give God glory for that every day on a bad day, on a good day. And so I encourage the saints to have a song in your heart. Um, I always tell the, the worship team, whatever song they play last. That song gets locked up in here and I'll be I'll be singing it for a day or two until I get a new song jammed in there. But it'll be the tune of my mind whenever I whenever I just start, you know, thinking or singing to myself, that'll be the song that I sing. So, and I'm glad because I used to have the problem where I might walk into a store or I remember going to the gym one time and I was listening to whatever they were playing in the gym and I got caught singing it. And I heard myself later and I was like, Ooh, what are you saying? <laughs> Those are bad words. Those are not, not cuss words, but it was, that's a bad song, you know? So I got to be careful what I listen to because it just kind of flows out later. So let praise be flowing from our lips. Verse four, these are the ones who were not defiled with women for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men being the first fruits to God and to the lamb. And so we learn that the 144,000, they're, they're virgins, right? And this is why, you know, we, we know the, the um, Jehovah Witnesses, those who, you know, they're one group that has claimed that, you know, that the 144,000 was the, the sum number of those that would be, you know, guaranteed and, and be saved. And so uh, we don't believe that that's true. We don't believe that the Jehovah Witnesses are the 144,000. One, they're not Jews, they're not virgins. Um, they weren't redeemed from among men. Um, you know, it says later on, no deceit is found in their mouth. They, they actually have deceit in their mouth because they lied on when they said the Lord was coming back and he didn't come. So they just don't qualify to be the 144,000. Here's the deal. The 144,000 don't even show up until halfway through the tribulation period. So any group claiming to be them prior is like, we're not here yet, buddy. We're still in chapters two and three, fam. We're in the church age. You couldn't be the 144,000. And I don't know why you would want to be when you could be right now. The, the, the people we want to be is the church. That's the group you want to be in right now. If you miss the rapture, wouldn't you want to, you know, you can't be part of this group if you're not Jewish, but you can be saved uh, during the tribulation period. So, but God has given us very specific things that I don't know how we can mess this up. I, I did read a few guys that respectable guys that looked at the fact that it says they're virgins. They said, oh, we don't think this meant that they were, you know, sexually, you know, pure virgins. They, they, they took it as they kind of spiritualized it and said they were they were pure in terms of God. They were they weren't, you know, committing spiritual adultery or you know, that sort of thing. 
I don't ascribe to that because I, I'm taking it for what it says, that they were not defiled with women, um, that these are people that were just separated unto the Lord in a unique way, kind of like the Apostle Paul. They weren't get, they weren't married. They weren't having kids. They were virgins because everything else it gives us is not to be spiritualized. It's it's just matter of fact. So they were virgins. They were not defiled with women. Uh, because they were virgins, they, these are the ones, they follow the lamb wherever he goes. I love that. I kept reading that over and over again. They just follow the lamb wherever he goes. That's what we want to do. Uh, we want to follow the lamb wherever he goes. Uh, whatever God is doing, we want to be, we want to be right there. Just, Lord, I'm following your lead. This wise counsel for us that we would do like they did. Uh, they follow the lamb wherever he went. They were redeemed from among men. And then they were the first fruits. Uh, to God, to the Lamb. So of the tribulation period, these are those God saved them and then he's going to save through them. He's going to use them. They're going to be uh, many people have called them the 144,000 Billy Grahams or 144,000 evangelists, that they're going to be the people that God is using to share the gospel during this period of time. Verse five says, and in their mouth was found no deceit for they are without fault before the throne of God. So there's no deceit in their mouth. And then it says that they're before the throne of God without fault. Here's the cool thing. God has promised to do that for you and I as well. In, the, in Jude, uh, verse 24, it says, Now unto him who is able to pre- present you faultless before the throne. Before the, but God is going to be, because of the blood of Christ, you guys, every one of you guys listening to this and you're a believer, you know you have faults, right? We're flawed. We're, we, we blow it. We fall down. We get back up. We know we're imperfect. We're trying. We're growing. We're being sanctified, but we're just not quite done yet. And God says, but now unto him who's able to present you faultless. One day, because of Jesus, you and me that have believed in Christ, we're going to be presented faultless. I, I, I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that one day, with all my faults, because of Jesus, I'm going to be presented faultless. All my faults are gone. They'll be wiped, they're wiped away. They, they've, been, they've been washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Well, this group here, this 144,000 that are redeemed to God during the tribulation period, God also presents them faultless. They are able to be faultless before his throne. What a blessing that is. Now, before we go to verse 6, the first part of this God's overtime squad He's got this 144,000. They're going to be used mightily of God to evangelize the world, to evangelize the earth during this period of time. Now, in verse six, we move to the next part of God's squad. There's angelic help. Look at chapter 14, verse six. It says, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And let me stop right there. And so now God does something that many have wondered, why doesn't God just do that now? Why doesn't God just stick his head through the clouds and say, hey, I'm God, fear me, you know, surrender to me. And then everybody would believe for sure. God says, that's not what I want to do. Right now, God's method of spreading the gospel is that those of us that know the Lord, that we would be used of the Lord to share him with others. That's God's method right now. When the church is removed and we're all in heaven because we've been raptured, caught up, or we died and gone to be with the Lord in this period of the tribulation period and we're not here, God's like, I'm going to send 144,000 Jewish evangelists and I'm going to have an angel go throughout the whole earth 
preaching the gospel to everybody. Listen, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. This angel speaks every language. Everybody's going to hear it. Everybody's going to, I mean, this, everybody's going to get this word. Everybody's going to get this message. No one will be without hearing it, and no one's going to be exempt from uh, their response, how they've responded to this. Everyone's going to hear it. Once again, because this is the book of Revelation, which means the unveiling. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is unveiling Jesus. What does this tell me about Jesus? Look at what he's doing. He's like, guys, people, those that are left, those that have not been damned to hell yet, would you come on? I want to say, if this doesn't teach you that God wants to save, that's what he wants to do. He's raised up this 144,000 Jewish group and he's going to send them out empowered to go evangelize. Later on, I mean, there's going to be prophets. We have the prophets that he raised up here. He's got an angel just going everywhere, sharing the gospel to every tribe, nation, tongue. Everybody can hear it. So the gospel is for everybody. We know that, right? It's not for one people group. It's not God doesn't have a favorite, you know, race or group. Everybody, everybody that will come. That's what he'll be doing here. Now, this is God's overtime squad, right? We're not in overtime yet. We're, we're still in the regular gameplay. So as we're reading this and we're seeing all that God is doing to save people, then you got to know this, that God wants to use me and you to do it now. God wants to use me and you to share the gospel now. Because right now we're his squad. We're his, we're, his rec- we're his method of the presentation of this message now. This is what God will be doing then, again, halfway through the tribulation period. But you and me, we're the squad that's in right now. Are you doing your part? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you bold with people? Are you are you willing to lose relationships? Are you willing to have uncomfortable conversations that someone might hear? Right. This angel is going to share. Everybody's not going to hear it and respond favorably. Everybody's not going to be saved, but they're going to have the opportunity. They're going to get the information. They're going to hear the message. That's the same thing we're to do. We're just we just share the message. Not responsible for people's responses, favorable, not favorable, but we're responsible to share it. That's what God would have us to do. And so this angel goes forth sharing the message. This is what he's saying. Listen to his message in verse seven. He says this with a loud voice. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. So he's telling people, look, fear God and give glory to him. The hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This this angel's a creationist. This angel doesn't believe in evolution, by the way. This angel is saying, look, fear God and give glory to him. Here's the deal. Because the people on earth are being tempted to worship the beast, to give honor to the beast, to give glory to the beast. God says, don't do that. This angel comes and says, look, worship, fear God and give glory to him. If you don't know who he is, he's the one that created everything. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Worship the creator. Well, the Bible teaches us clearly in scripture. We know who's the creator. Uh, we know from Colossians. We know from John 1.1. 1, 1, we know from the beginning of just God is a creator. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, all present in creation, holding all things together. It tells us in Colossians, worship God is what he's saying. Now, for us, you know, and this is what I want you to consider the gospel that we're preaching is, you know, we're preaching the gospel of who Jesus is, what he did, that we would have faith in him. At this point in time, they're down to people are either worshiping the beast or they're going to worship God. 
And God is saying, look, I'm telling you to worship me, fear me, worship me, fear me. This is really important. right? If I fear God, I don't have to fear anything else. There'll be a lot of reason during the tribulation period to fear the Antichrist, to fear the false prophet, to fear the beast and their system because their system is anti-Christ. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Revelation, this book is entirely fascinating, if not a little bit confusing. But don't get distracted by all the strange things mentioned and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is showing himself in a mighty way through this book. The description of Jesus in this book sounds like some fierce, ultimate superhero, someone you would want to follow but might be a little afraid of, too. But Jesus is coming to redeem a broken world. Some of the ways God will go about doing this may not be fully understandable from our perspective, but that's okay. It's still worth studying and eagerly anticipating the fact that He's coming to make all things new. What a relief. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from our Revelation series, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call 310-245-4811. Once more, That phone number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of Revelation. We look forward to our next edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill. Make sure you tune in for the upcoming message as you're sure to learn more from this intriguing book of the Bible here on A Transforming Word.